Grab a Bible, if you will, open it to 1 Corinthians 11, and let me uh, say a couple of quick things. First of all, um, in, in case you've never heard me say this, every Sunday morning, the anthem that you hear before I preach, the words are found on the back of the, the, uh, the bulletin. In case you're sitting out there wondering, what are they saying? Well, the words are right here for you every week. Now, if you've got a bulletin, and you'll notice this week that the um, words and music um, are, a, are by a guy by the name of Chris Sparks. Now, who's he? Well, Chris Sparks works here at Grace Evangelical Church. All those, all those words, all that music was written by the little musical genius that is upping that uh, sound booth right now, Chris Sparks. What a treasure he is. So, <clears throat> wanted you to know that. The other thing has to do, of course, with uh, two weeks from tonight. Um, hey guys, did you know that, I mean, I think we own 47 acres, something like that, and, um, seven buildings, seven building projects here. And did you know that that's all paid for? (laughs) That alone, ladies and gentlemen, is worth coming, having supper together and celebrating that God has, has, um, tutored us and led us for 25 years, 25 years. Um, I was 42 years old when I started this place, and 25 years later, we're still, we're still together. That's, that's a remarkable thing. I, I hope you won't miss that. Um, it's a nice supper. It's over on the campus of University of Memphis uh, in a Holiday Inn banquet room. Uh, it's supper. It's and by the way, if that $15 a head price is, is, a, is problematic for you, would you let me know? I'm, I'm serious. This is a heart attack. Uh, we would love to get the money to you so that you would not have to miss that. But, you, you know, you got a week. you got a week to register. And if computers frighten you, we've got a young woman out there who will help you uh, register right online. She'll walk you through it on your way out. Now, let me read you... Um, uh, a very unique passage. Only it's only four verses, but it's um, I, I don't know of another passage like it anywhere in the Old or New Testament. But let me <clears throat> begin reading at verse twenty-seven of First Corinthians eleven. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. Then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. The grass withers and the flower fades, but uh, these words, they endure forever. Guys, I said this is a unique passage, and it's unique because it is a, it is a passage of fencing you ever heard that term? It's, um, it's a passage that fences the table. I used this text a month ago in January, and I, and I tried to describe fencing. It's building a fence around the table so that um, only those who have a right to be here will be here. And I said last month that you don't want to build it too high, you don't want to build it too low. But there is, um, there's an admonition on the part of the Apostle Paul that we not um, come unless we qualify. 
in some traditions, they call that winnowing. Um, another word for fencing, I guess. Um, and in fact, one of the most dramatic scenes in all of church history occurred around this text. Let me, let me tell you about it quickly. Uh, early 1700s, a church in Northampton, Massachusetts, that was pastored by a, name by the guy, by a guy by the name of Samuel Stoddard. He, um, he uh, taught this thing what they, that they called the halfway covenant. Now, I don't know all the details of the halfway covenant, but it said in essence, um, you don't have to make a profession of faith, but you've got to be a member of this church before you come here. When Samuel Stoddard retired, his son-in-law took over, and his son-in-law was a guy by the name of Jonathan Edwards. You've heard of Jonathan Edwards, the greatest theological mind that America ever produced. Well, Jonathan Edwards took over and eliminated the halfway covenant, and he was fired. Did you know that? Did you know that Jonathan Edwards was fired? This great theological mind that that is unparalleled was fired, and he was fired over this, over fencing the table and and what is appropriate and what isn't. So um, that's why the text is unique. That's why it's important. But let me just say a couple of quick things. We, we, We did that last week. But I want to draw your attention, or last month, um, I, I want to draw your attention to verse 28 and 29, where the admonition is, let a person examine himself. Now, we're reluctant to do that. We're, we're not real comfortable with the whole idea of self-examination. I mean, exactly what is involved, what is entailed, if I were to examine myself, what would be involved? Well, I'm... I'm sure a lot of people could say a lot of things, but l- let me just suggest a few. Let, let me show you the absurdly obvious, at least one of them. Uh, it says examine myself, not my wife, not the preacher, not the guy on the end of the pew with me. I'm called to examine myself, which implies, I think, secondly, that we come to this sacrament, we come to this table thoughtfully because we are examining ourselves. We come pensively and soberly and, and, and humbly because of the admonition to, to examine um, the, the, uh, the inner workings of our soul. Um, thirdly, I think one of the things that would be included is that I ask myself, do I have just the smallest grain of saving faith? I say saving faith to set it apart from faith. I'm not asking you to ask yourself, do I believe in God? Guys, the Bible says the devil believes in God and, and he trembles. That's in James chapter 2, verse 19. I'm not asking you to ask yourself, do I believe in God? Nor am I asking yourself to include this question, do I believe that Jesus died? I'm not asking you to do that. I don't think the text is. 
I mean, um, Josephus, the great Jewish historian, believed that Jesus died, talked about it in his, in his great work called The Works of Josephus, mentions it in his work. I'm not asking you that. I think that you need to, the thing that you need to ask yourself is, do I believe in that death? That is, that in that death, payment was made for my sin. I'm not simply believing in God or in the fact that historically Jesus died. I'm, I'm asking myself, do I believe that that death by Christ is the very grounds upon which the Father is willing to be reconciled to me? I, you've heard of the 23rd Psalm, no doubt. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I heard a guy say one time, and I thought this was such a good insight. He said, the issue is not whether the Lord is a shepherd. The issue is, is the Lord my shepherd? The issue is not whether Jesus died. The issue is whether he died for me. Is Jesus Christ my Savior? Not just a Savior, but is he my Savior? I... I, I in, in this examination process, I, I realize that I'm not perfect. But do I find the smallest grain of saving faith? That, that, I, that I am trusting in Christ, that my whole hope of forgiveness is based on what he did for me. Is that in there? then, ladies and gentlemen, this is for you. Now, you'll notice also in verse 29, it talks about discerning the body rightly. What is that all about? Well, I'm sure there's lots to be said about that too, but just quickly, I remember as a kid when we, I always liked communion Sundays because um, I got a snack. Guys, this is not a snack. It's not a device to entertain your children and keep them from going to sleep on you. It's not a supper. Do, do, do you realize that when Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 11, that he was correcting all these abuses that were going on in the Corinthian church, and one of them was people were coming to this supper of the Lord, and they were, they were drunk? So, you see, I'm not offering you supper. I'm not offering you a snack. In this sacrament, we are being offered some very common elements that have meanings that go beyond themselves. I am taking hold of a couple of things that are supposed to take me someplace. They're, they're supposed to remind me of an inward significance. That that, that bread is something that symbolizes the brokenness of a body and the shedding of of blood. Let me add, add one more thing and I'll quit. Just in terms of what does examining myself entail? Guys, here's something that I think you should think about. Is there someone in this room, or, or, or maybe I should say someone in, your, in this room or in your family, with whom I have a broken 
angry relationship. <laughs> my husband, my, my wife, the preacher. Guys, that has to be mended. That needs to be fixed. Guys, do you know what the essence of the gospel is? The essence of the gospel is simply, I get a forgiveness that I didn't deserve. Do you know that's what we've got? A forgiveness that we didn't deserve. And so now I'm being asked, because of this broken relationship, I'm being asked to give what I got. What'd you get? I got a forgiveness I didn't deserve. And so I'm being asked to give a forgiveness that is not deserved. Can we as people who belong to Jesus Christ not do that? Because, ladies and gentlemen, forgiveness is at the heart of the gospel message that we preach. So, if I find that there is this particle of saving faith, then, then ladies and gentlemen, I have a, I hate this word, but I'll use it. I have a right to come here. You know, if I showed up in some neighbor's kitchen who I didn't know and had no invitation to be there, that would be rather awkward. But if I, if I was invited and knew her and, you know, was supposed to be there, I mean, guys, I guess it comes down to this. Do I know the host? The host here is not me. It's not Grace Evangelical Church. Do I know the one that invites me? If so, this table has been set for me. And I'm being invited here to feast all over again on the centerpiece of the gospel message that Jesus Christ died in my place and purchased for me a place in heaven which he offered to me as a free gift. And about 45 years ago, I took it. If you have received that gift, you have a right to be here. Come meet me here. Let's pray. Our Father, I do pray that you will remind us that the gospel makes provisions for people and their sin who don't deserve forgiveness but are forgiven nonetheless. And that is the earmark of the gospel. It is supposed to be the earmark of the Christian that we can forgive when the object of our forgiveness doesn't deserve it. Lord, would you remind us of our, of our forgiveness? And then would you enable us to extend to others the very thing that we've received? Meet us here, Father so that the soul can be nourished. We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name.